this day is a day where I'm going to bring a message on hope. It's the first Advent Sunday. Did anybody notice the candle lit outside in the foyer? Yes. And I hope if you lit candles this morning, you blew them out on your way and you'll light it when you go back in. But it's, you know, it's a beautiful tradition. And, you know, I just want to say that, as Mark said, you know, I love Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. I love the traditions. I love everything that we get to to be part of. But I'm also aware that this season is not necessarily a joyful season for many. Like I have somebody in my world who basically just wants this season to be over with because the whole season of Christmas has got so many bad memories for this particular friend of mine. And I understand where my friend's coming from. But I just want to, my prayer is that today, each and every one of us will leave with a fresh understanding of what this season means. And regardless of what you may have experienced in the past, or the things, things that you may be dreading that are coming up in the future, maybe at this Christmas time, my prayer is that you will sense a hope a hope that passes all understanding, a hope that is anchored in Jesus Christ himself so that you'll be able to leave this place knowing with with hope in your heart, literally, like that song, with hope in my heart. I'm going to be singing this whole message, aren't I? Remember that, with hope in my heart. Or maybe that's just something we sing at football matches in England. But in any case, hope. Because the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And there is a lot of deferred hope. There's a lot of sickness in people's souls. But Jesus came, which is what this whole Advent season is about. It's about preparing for Christmas, but it's also an opportunity for us to remember what Advent really is all about. And whilst many of us have got different traditions, I think sometimes we forget the meaning behind some of these traditions. And I hope to actually bring that to the forefront in my message this morning. Amen? You ready for that? Well, one of the traditions, and we've got it outside there right now, is the wreath. The Advent wreath with the beautiful candles that are on. And you know, growing up for me, my sister married a Danish guy about 42 years ago. And we were close to his side of the family. So we had a lot of these Danish traditions that we didn't necessarily have in England. But every year we had this wreath and we would have this candle that was lit on consecutive Sundays. But it wasn't until I came to Berlin, good old Deutschland, that I discovered the meanings behind all of these. And actually found out that a lot of German people didn't know what the tradition or what the meanings were. I actually just shared it with some of my um, friends who are pastors in Europe this week, and they didn't know either. And now they're all excited about what messages they're going to bring to the church over Christmas. But you know, this, this wreath outside, I just want to bring some um, perspective to what it is, so that when you see these wreaths, which you will see all over Berlin and wherever you may go for Christmas, you'll see them. And I, I hope that you will remember what it actually means, the true meaning of it. Well, the Advent wreath, it actually goes back many, many centuries, and there's lots of different stories of how it came about to be the beautiful decorative wreaths that we now see in all sorts of shapes and sizes. But originally, they were made of fern, fern, which is a plant that is known for its strength, known for its strength. It's an evergreen plant, which means that it is always green in every season if it is connected to the vine. And we could just pause right there, right now, and talk about remaining in the vine, all of John 15, but that's for another day. But just remember, when this fern is connected 
to the vine, not standing next to it, but connected to the vine, sourcing life from the very vine itself. It will be green in every season. That's a reflection of how you and I can be when we abide in Christ. And traditionally, there were circular shapes, and the one outside is traditional, it's circular. And that is symbolic of no ending, reminding us of eternity, everlasting, reminding us that his kingdom shall reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. That is what it's symbolic of. And then we see the red holly, which we have this side of the world, maybe not in Australia or some other parts, but the red holly. And the red is to, be, to, to remind us of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary, to remind us that he was born to die for the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, to remind us that you and I can come into a heavenly a relationship with our heavenly father because of the sacrifice of Jesus who was born to die. It's a love like no other. And you know, if you're here in this room and you are not sure of the love of God, I'm telling you, it is a love like no other. It's a love that basically nothing you can do, nothing you can do will stop him from loving you. And he can't do any more to prove how much he actually loves you than what he's done. You know, many years ago, my father passed away and he passed away of cancer. And I remember coming back and having this moment with my heavenly father, just this revelation where he said to me, Joyce, my love for your father will not be proven on whether I raise him up from his bed or not. My love for your father was proven 2,000 years ago when my son hung on the cross and for the joy set before him stayed there. My love for your father was proven when my son went into the depths of hell in order to conquer it and then rose again victorious. Amen. That is his love for you. So whatever circumstances you may have experienced or may be experiencing, it does not deny his love for you. He loves you unconditionally. So when you see the little red berries on that wreath, remind yourself of the love of your heavenly father, the love of Jesus that took him to the cross. That beautiful, simple scripture that we know so well, John 3 verse 16. Remember this when you see the red holly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Wouldn't it be amazing if every time we saw the red holly, we thought of that scripture this season? Amen. And then there's the four candles, the four candles, and we've lit one today. And the candles actually have a name and they symbolize something. Did you know that? No? How many knew that? As anybody who's been around, yeah, awesome. Connie knows it because she's heard me ramble on about it so much. Okay, so there's four candles, right, for each Advent Sunday. Well, the first one that we've lit today is known as the prophet's candle representing hope, which is why we have sung these songs, Hello Hope. Hello Hope. Amen. And then we've got the Bethlehem candle, which represents faith. We've got the shepherd's candle that represents joy. And we have got the angel's candle that represents peace. And throughout these next few weeks, we're going to have faith-filled stories like Ronya's shared today. We're going to have stories of faith being shared around these subjects or topics of faith, joy, and peace. It's going to be beautiful. It already is. But that's what these mean. That's what they symbolize. And so... That today I want to just explain a little bit about the word event, uh, Advent, but then I also want to talk about hope. 
because our world is in need of hope. I'm sure you or people you know are in need of hope. And there's a hope that we can get from God himself that is so firm. It is a foundation for our lives and it will help us move into the future. But before I do that, the word Advent, the word Advent, it means coming. It's derived from the Latin word coming and it basically speaks of the coming of Jesus, the Son of God, the incarnation where God himself became flesh, which is crazy to imagine, but this is what it says in John 1 verse 14. It says, and the word... Christ became flesh and lived among us and we actually saw his glory. Glory as belongs to the one and only begotten son of the father, the son who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. Wow. Wow. So this prophet's candle today, symbolizing hope, well, the definition of hope, it's quite ambiguous in English because you go, are you coming for Christmas? And then somebody could say, well, I hope so. Are we going to have goose from Fabi's parents' farm? Well, I hope so. You know, but that's kind of like the English way. But uh, the Greek and the Hebrew are very different. The Greek is a strong expectation, a strong expectation. In the Hebrew, it means a firm, solid expectation. So either way, it's strong, it's solid, it's firm, it's expectation. It's a confident, joyful expectation that something good is going to happen. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you switch on the news, you know none of it's going to be good. None of it's going to be good. But the expectation that we can have is a firm, solid expectation when our hope is in Christ, when our hope is in God. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, whatever you expect to fulfill your deepest desires can be described as hope. Wow. Should I say that again? Yeah. Whatever you expect to fill, fulfill your deepest desires can be described as hope. So the prophet's candle, it speaks of a hope that exists because God promised that the Saviour, the Messiah, would come. He promised the people throughout the Old Testament, various prophets over hundreds of years actually prophesied in great detail and often in times of absolute devastation and despair that a Saviour would come. And these prophecies gave people hope. They gave the people hope. And one of these most common um, prophecies we read in Isaiah 9, and I want to read it to you today, verse 2, verse 6, and verse 7, it says, The people who walked in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. It will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. 
How powerful is this portion of scripture? It's not just a song from Handel's Messiah. It is a portion of scripture that you and I can get a hold of and pull into our hearts and it can actually encourage us. It can fuel us with the passion and the commitment that we need for better days. Amen. And I love it when it says justice. Because that is a promise for us today with all its complexities and with all the evil that surrounds humanity, justice will be done. Justice will be done. You know, Isaiah, he prophesied this 700 plus years before Jesus was born. And like I said, at a time of devastation and despair and destruction and madness, general madness of humanity all around. And when I read this, I think, you know what, that sounds very much like today. It sounds like the world in which we're living in. But, you know, the people back then, they had to wait for centuries before the Messiah came. After these prophecies, there was silence and they had to wait. They had to wait, but because they had this word, they waited in hope. What is the word of God that you have had in the past that you maybe need to stir up again so that you can wait in hope? While we're waiting, while we're waiting, how are we going to wait what we see from the scriptures of the Old Testament, that yes, there was people that waited and went mad and crazy, but there were a remnant of people who waited with hope. Hope in the promises of God. Hope in what he said would come to pass. Even if they wouldn't see it in their lifetime, that it would eventually come to pass. And that's why we know that justice will be done and evil will be jolly well dealt with because Jesus said that justice will be done. So I ask myself the question, Joyce, while you're waiting for the things that you know are promises from God, how are you going to wait? Are you going to wait with worry and concern and, and, oh my dear, oh my dear, oh, will it ever happen with frustration? I mean, gosh, we can hardly wait for an Amazon package to come, even when we're on Prime. Do you know what I mean? What on earth? We're like, when's the doorbell going to ring with the Amazon man there? But how are we going to wait? There's that beautiful song. It says, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. Jesus lives in me. We can wait differently. We can wait differently. And whatever it is you're experiencing, whether we are waiting, we've got beautiful, beautiful Ukrainian families with us. While we are waiting for the war to end, I see Julia today, while she is waiting, she's here serving. I mean, gosh. I've challenged myself in preparing this message. How am I going to be while I'm waiting? How are you going to be while you're waiting? I know sometimes when we go all wobbly, we need each other to like, no, we know you're waiting. But this, we're going to encourage you. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to support you. We're going to believe with you. We're going to pray with you. Sarah here is one of my go-tos when I need to pray about something. Who is it in this room that you can go to and go, I'm waiting, but I'm wobbling. Okay. Let's wait together, strong, (laughs) waiting and wobbling. But let's get rid of the wobbling. It's okay to wobble, but let's get back on track, okay? We don't want to lose our balance. It's all right to be a bit wobbly, but sometimes, I know with me, I don't have a great sense of balance. I need people to actually hold me up, even in the natural. You know, I'm trying to put a boot on and I... Do you know what I mean? We need each other. We need each other. And God is reminding us in this Advent season that while we're waiting, we can wait with hope because others have done it before us and others will have to do it after us and we too can wait with hope in our hearts. Amen. Amen. This prophet's candle, it reminds us 
of the past that Jesus came and back at, you know, obviously when the prophecies were being given, there were lots of years ago. But it also reminds us that Jesus is coming again in the future. It's beautiful to know that Jesus is coming again. And I have to, if I'm completely honest, we're being honest. I've got the microphone here. I'm being really honest. No, I'm not going to tell any stories about Mark. But in all honesty, (laughs) in all honesty, I've always been one of those people when people say, Jesus needs to come back. I've always been one of those people to say, the church needs to do what the church needs to do. We need to reach the lost with the gospel. We need to be the light in the darkness, da-da-da-da-da. And when we've done our job, then I'm sure the father will turn to the son and say, go get the family home, will you? But seriously, in all honesty, in this last year, I'm like, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Just reveal yourself to everybody. They can say yay or nay, but just come. Seriously, it's like the celebrity, get me out of here type of thing. Do you know what I mean? But no, Jesus is coming again. And whilst we're waiting, all we need to do is have hope that in his perfect timing, just like in the fulfillment of time he came on earth, in the fulfillment of time, he will come in the future. And this is our hope. My father used to say, we don't know when he's coming, but live today like he's coming today and plan like he's not coming in your lifetime. I think that's great advice. Live today as if he's coming today, this afternoon, before the service is over. But plan like he's not coming in your lifetime, which means we're planning for the generations to come, which is why we're here. Amen? Amen. Revelation 22. Yeah, you can give Jesus a clap if you want. Revelation 22, verse 12 to 13 says, Look, I am coming soon. Now, his version of soon and my version of soon are very different. However, that's a technicality. I will not get um, a fall over. I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is coming again. Ready or not, he's coming. I pray we'll all be ready. Amen. But the prophet's candle also represents, like I said, the coming of Jesus. And it's his coming today, his present coming right now. We've sensed his presence here. He has been praised, he's been worshipped, his presence has come, and it's brought exaltation to all of us. Jesus covers the past, he covers the future, but he's ever present right now today. And you know, In a world that is full of suffering and despair, which is the opposite of hope, we need his present help right now. You know, when BG was here a few weeks ago, he said that when humanity fell, when Adam and Eve sinned, that the authority God had given them to rule the earth, they actually gave it to the enemy. And so that's why there is so much desperation and despair in the world in which we live. But... The fact of the matter is, if our hope is only in what we see with our natural eye, if our hope is only what can be humanly navigated and negotiated, it will fail miserably. We need Jesus around the table. We need people who know Jesus like you around the table of decision makings, of people's well-being. That's what we need. And so in this situation, whatever you may be experiencing, or what I want to encourage you to make a decision to put your hope in Jesus. Because the more of us that put our hope in Jesus, the more light we can be in this dark world, the more solution we can bring to this dark world. Amen? Yeah. We're here to be his 
hands and feet to be light and shine brightly. You know, Jesus and his promises for humanity, including your personal life, your colleagues, your friends, Jesus, he is a hope for humanity. It's not a little slogan, it's a reality. And we need to just shift our thinking to Jesus. Think, shift our thinking to solution, his solution. Shift our thinking to the promises of God himself. Whatever we think our future holds will affect how we face our present moment. I think that's another one I need to repeat. Whatever we think our future holds will affect how we face our present moment. Which is why we all need God-given hope in our present moment in order to face our future. To face a future where so many things are uncertain, but the one that is not uncertain is in it. And when we do that, when we have this hope, it really helps us to live in this messy middle whilst we're waiting for those promises to come to pass. Amen? Amen? Today, Jesus wants to come and bring hope into your life, bring hope to where there's uncertain spaces and places. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And the feast he's talking about here, it's not your Christmas dinner. It's not your food. In actual fact, the Amplified Version says, I will come in and restore you. Restore you. Bring to life what perhaps is dormant. Bring to new what has become old and familiar. I will restore you. So one of the questions I want to ask as we are on this first Advent Sunday of 2023, is what areas of your life need restoring today? What areas need restoring today? Because whatever it is, there is hope in Christ the Restorer. There's hope in Jesus. We know that He's come. We've seen how He's changed lives. We see the hope when we look at Ronya. So what is it you need restoring in? And then as the team come up, I want to ask another question. What is your hope in? Is it in your husband, your wife, your children, your job, your education, the letters after your name? Is it you think your hope will be when you get those things that all will be well? If I had a husband, if I had a wife, if I had children, if I had the home, if I had the job, all would be well. You know, when we put our hope in natural things, we get to those natural things and we become disappointed and disillusioned when we realize they don't actually ultimately fulfill us. Because we're all flawed. And so nobody's perfect. And what you imagine it to be, it's not. Could that be? Could that be? Because ultimately... The deepest desire and longing for humanity is to be in a loving relationship with God as their Heavenly Father. I think that is the reality. So when we put our hope in Christ, we can look to the future confidently. We can. Not because we know all the answers. Not because we know the future. But we know the one who holds the future. 
I am secure for the, I feel so secure knowing that my heavenly Father holds my future. There is no better place to be than in His arms. There's no safer place to be than with the heavenly army host surrounding us, protecting us. And you know, my dears, earth is not our home. We're passing through. And I'm so in awe that some people passing through have experienced so much more hardship and heartache than I have. But I see in some of my Ukrainian sisters especially a hope that's the same that I have that they have. Why? Because it's, it's not based on circumstances. It's based on this opportunity that God has given us to pour His hope into our very souls, into our very being. And you know, I've got two scriptures that I want to share with you before I conclude. And we always want to bring a practical way in how you can apply this. And I just want to say, I actually went onto BibleGateway.com and I put in the word hope. And there was like, I don't know, there's 97 in the Old Testament. There's I don't know how many in the New Testament. But one way that we can have hope instilled into us is yes, to sing the songs of hope but it's actually to meditate on the Word of God and meditate on His promises. How will we have hope in in His promises if we don't know His promises? What is it you need to know? What promises? What is it your circumstances where you feel like hope is being deferred or, you know, it feels hopeless? I want to ask you to get the Word of God and to meditate on it. Not just skim over it, but to meditate on it. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. How beautiful. And then this is the last Scripture I want to conclude with. It says it's in Romans 15 verse 13. And I pray this over every one of you right now in the name of Jesus. It says, may the God of hope fill you all with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.